Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello? Look, I'm going to level with you. I have my own things to deal with. After all, we are about to crap a lovely landing. The Orphans, an original cinematic audio drama, is now available. And now, The Orphans Facility. An exciting new prequel series. Catch up with season one with new episodes of Facility coming bi-weekly. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBerry here with another episode of Flame On. We are here in the month of June, formerly known as Pride Month, now known as Wrath Month. And we are ready to discuss, dissect, and disseminate the world of pop culture from our point of view. However, before I do our intros and um, get into our topics, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't take a moment and... um, look back because on this day four years ago we um or actually well yesterday so four years ago was the shooting at the pulse nightclub uh which affected all of us um in in some way shape or form whether we knew somebody directly we were friends with people that had gone or just um being part of the community in orlando and we recorded a uh, a rather raw and um, emotional episode right after we had all found that information out. And um, I think it was the following day was the concert, right? Brian, you had uh, you had played. Yeah, Sounds of Freedom had our, our annual concert that Sunday. 
and then uh, afterwards we we came back to the house and everybody came over and we recorded so i think um it, it's important as a a gesture and a uh, a little tribute to 49 people whose lives were tragically cut short uh, by an act of hate and especially with everything that's going on in the world today uh, currently uh, I think we should just take a moment of silence for uh, for all of them and everybody that's been affected uh, not only by gun violence but by acts of hate that uh, that shouldn't happen in today's world. So with that being said, we are going to continue to be a respite and a bit of, uh, of hopefully some fun, some information, maybe some frivolity. Uh, Everything for fire. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but we are here to talk about the world in pop culture. Joining me on this podcast, uh, you heard him just a moment ago, uh, Brian is here. Greetings from Chaz North. Oof. Right. For a second, I was like, wait, why is Chaz Bono trending on Twitter? <laughs> and then I found out what it meant. And I was like, yeah. oh, gotcha. For those of you who are not paying attention or this is you're listening to this at some other point in time where Chaz does no, no longer exists or has become its own state. I don't know. Uh, that is Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, which is the protester taken over insurrection bubble within the city of Seattle. Yeah. That is, um, it's a, what, a six block area around the police it's, precinct. It's the gay hood area uh, where there's actually some nice bars and restaurants. It's not a hood. It's, it's actually fine. It's the neighborhood. It's the neighborhood. There's rainbow crosswalks and now there's barricades and people giving out uh, free orange juice. Because I, that's what Seattle does when they have an insurrection. They give out free <laughs> orange juice. I, I I'll be there tomorrow. I was going to say, I heard that there's, uh, they're giving out water and food and... Yep. Um, artists have popped up. It's basically become like a street festival. It, that's exactly what it really has become, although people are sleeping there at night, which is kind of like, whatever, all right, cool. At least the weather is nice enough they can do that now. Well, but, uh, it, it's not bad. And they, uh, they took over the police station, uh, which was... The, the police abandoned, abandoned because exactly. of a really bad... So let me just, if you don't mind, just for a yeah. second. Oh, yeah. Last Saturday was a very intense night. Uh, I'm not in Seattle proper. I am north of Seattle. But uh, we were watching the news, and there's live coverage on people's Instagram and Facebook feeds of the standoff. And I have never had a more intense and visceral reaction to this protest. And I am very, I'm, I'm obviously sympathetic with the protesters here, um, way more than any, any other entity involved. But the police and the protesters had a very clear standoff, uh, pepper gas and tear gas or pepper balls, whatever, all that crap. Uh, that makes you cry and feel horrible. Uh, they were used, which they had said they were no longer going to use them. And uh, I was up to like 2 a.m. watching this and feeling like, oh my God, the city that I just moved to is now becoming a war zone. Um, again, though, being very sympathetic to the protesters more than the police. And, we're, and I'm sitting there like, why don't the police just stand down? Why don't they just back away? Because the protesters were just saying, hey, we're just going to stay here and protest. We're just doing our thing. There was no looting. There was a, a dumpster fire, literally a dumpster fire, which is funny. Uh, and there was a rock band playing on the street. So, you know, it's weird. Seattle's weird, right? Police did that. They backed away and they had some concerns about the East Precinct being damaged. So they took all of their key items, weapons, uh, or no, weapons, well, you know, military and non-military uh, armaments, and they pulled out of the police station. And it's been a week now. And they just basically left the station. Now, 
uh, they want it back. They didn't like give it over to the protesters to set up their own government. Uh, but there's a, a tense situation in some ways, although you wouldn't know walking around and getting free orange juice and, and uh, health services and you know, whatever they're doing down there, which is- Damn liberals. And the business owners love it. I've been reading articles about different businesses that I know down there and they all are like, yeah, we're getting tons of customers. This is fantastic. This is, you know, and, and people who are upset about the, the, the COVID not, you know, spreading, which is very valid as well. Because I read that that cops had heard reports yeah. that business owners were getting charged money for protection services. The police the chief, the police chief, who I'm not a fan of, she is basically said one thing about that because somebody, you know, it was like a, a media report, and then she's since come out and said that there's no, there's no nothing that has not happened at least that they've had to document it. But uh, people are wearing masks. That's what I was getting to. So remember it seems like a lifetime ago people were protesting in the state houses to not wear masks uh and then having these mass protests where uh, they were just you know spreading coronavirus or whatever pretty much every shot every person i've talked to down there and and they just had a huge uh, protest parade on friday everybody's got masks and these aren't like military scary masks these are like people made cloth masks that have different funny designs and crazy stuff so i mean it's about as responsible a protest as you can hope and uh yeah it's fantastic and it's uh, really exciting and i haven't actually have not been there in person uh because i am also fearful of getting the rona so uh i may still brave it and just go check it out so i can see a part of this historical moment which i feel like will be kind of a an amazing memory but uh it's like that or do i want to die i don't know i i had to wrestle with that myself because there is uh we haven't even gone through all the introductions yet. I love this. But this is all important <laughs> stuff to talk about, honestly. Um, but here in Chicago, tomorrow, from when we're recording this, there is the Drag Queen March for Justice, where the queens are saying, fuck this shit, and we need to make our voices heard. Um, because not only do Black lives matter, but Black trans lives matter. And we're seeing... Um, I think just in the past week, two more black trans women were killed and it's just being swept on the, under the rug. Yep. So Joe Mama, who is a queen here in Chicago, is uh, I believe the point person and, and who's the one who's heading this up. And we're going to march in Boys Town tomorrow uh, at 5 p.m. Central. And the protest is going to have uh, some fantastic key speakers from the drag scene here in Chicago, including Lucy Stuhl, who is not only a, uh, a black queen, but she's also a black bearded queen. Shout out to our bearded queens. I love Blue Lucy Stuhl was amazing. She was serving bar at, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was really cool uh, to meet her and see her perform. That's, I, I'm excited. I haven't actually seen Lucy yet. So I've only seen her merch, uh, which is available at uh, dragqueenmerch.com. Um, but we are also going to have speakers Dita Ritz, um, The Vixen, and Shea Coulee all there. But you flew Oral up there? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I, uh, I love it. I love Dita so much. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, so I was, I've been nervous about all of like, going to the protests. But at this point, one, I, I can't sit things out anymore. Um, you know, things are starting to get a little bit more stable for me up here. And um, like you were just saying, Brian, this is a part of history and I'm grabbing my camera. I am going to go and, you know, I'm going to go do my best Mark impression uh, from Rent and document real life. 
and I, I need to, in my own way, like I've now don uh, donated to a fund. I'm sharing resources. I'm, you know, going to take part in a protest. Like I'm just trying to do as much as I can with what little I can. So if you are able to go, please just be safe. I will be masked up. I will have my camera. I will be keeping my distance as best as possible. And, you know, just got to make sure that you maintain that safety and don't be like, you know, crazy white domestic terrorists with AR-15s and screaming in people's faces with no masks on. But anyway. And no police pushing back at them. It, ex mm -hmm. Yeah. No, but seriously, you can do so much by even if you're staying at home. Like, I, I've been wrestling this a lot over the last week, and, you know, Eric and I are on a curling board, and, or, well, I'm not on the board. I'm, I'm, I'm a board advisor, as Eric pointed out. Uh, I, you're we, we, at large? I'm, I'm the large member, yes. We put out a, a statement that I helped write uh, supporting the Black Lives Matter and, and, and all the stuff, which was great. We, beat, we actually beat the National Curling Organization uh, statement coming out. So I was like, yay. Um, but like, you know, you can, you, can do, you can get activism, do activism online and, and write petitions. Pat's been sharing some great stuff. Uh, I, I signed that change.org uh, petition. Um, have, you can, have, have you guys, um, there's the, have you guys seen the Humble Bumble um, uh, donation uh, drive they've been doing? What are the games or what are the, what is, how are they doing it this time? So the developers are donating the games to the bundle. Um, I believe it's a minimum donation of $5 and they are up to currently, I think almost 400 games. It is wow. ridiculous. The amount of games and some of them are like some, some really good bestsellers on steam. Um, but all that money goes to, uh, I know it goes to the NAACP and it goes to the, um, uh, some of the uh, probation funds and the legal funds for some of the protesters that have been arrested. Um, but it's, uh, it's really good. And, and I think developers are adding games to it like wow. almost daily. We it's should share a link to that. Yeah. Uh, well, Humble Bundle does. Up on the Facebook. Oh, good, please. Yeah. Humble Bundles does these are great stuff. Every time they do a promotion, it's like, A, it's still a good cause usually, but it's so worth it. Um, but yeah, I know you can, you can share live streams. That's another thing I've seen people doing is just having watch parties of live streams of protests. And, and it's like, you know, there's a little voyeuristic element to that. But the bigger thing is we're making sure that there's accountability because if you just rely on the media, you would think that Chaz is, is terrorist hot spot. And if you actually look at people who are going down there and doing video and, and, and like their own reporting, it's very not that it's, it's so, so these protests are not riot and looting by and large anymore. I mean, there may have been some early on. I know in Seattle, there was like cars on fire and there's some you know, broken windows early. But since then, largely, it's been a peaceful protest and communities are stepping up their game and helping and trying to keep their own order without the police getting involved. And if you look into the defund the police movement, that's entirely what it's about is pulling back police uh, the job description from doing all of these crazy things they do now to only the things they have to do and letting the community and other organizations step in and fill that gap. Yeah, so, social um, workers, drug counselors, people yeah. who are trained in those areas as opposed to police who are not trained. They just go gun. in. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a, actually, there's another um, podcast that did a series of interviews in a small town in Southern California I can't remember the name of the town, but the chief of police there for the past, I think, four years has been relabeled as the chief of public safety. And they are uh, doing the Department of Public Safety is now kind of 
everything. It's their EMS, their firefighting, their police force, all of it is under one, one branch. So there's more accountability, there's more transparency. The, um, the psychological ecosystem is different because he has some police officers that are trained as EMTs. So if uh, EMTs are backed up with an emergency, those police officers will change out of their uniforms, go over there and assist EMTs or firefighters. And the thing is with EMTs and firefighters, they get more training as opposed to uh, dealing with somebody with mental health issues, with yeah. um, uh, safely uh, de-escalating situations. Uh, and it's all under the same umbrella. And my favorite part of the interview was when the interviewer was trying to get him to make direct statements. What the interviewer kept saying, well, where do you think they should enact this? And he's like, okay, let me, let me tell you, I want this everywhere. He's like, well, there have been no incidents. There have, he's like, everyone loves this system here and everyone is enjoying like safety to the best of the community standards. And it was just, it was really nice hearing something like that. Um, and I'll have to send that interview to you guys because it's a really nice interview and it's a really, it gets a good look at what that actually means versus like what's being sensationalized. And it's, oh, yeah. It, yeah, it, 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 it gave me tingles for the future. People have, people have done defund the police in, in action, like you said, in California, in Camden, New Jersey, they fired the entire police department and then they rebuilt it from the ground up as a community support organization that did the whole county. And the police chief or whatever his title, it's not police chief, but whatever he was, he's like, yeah, no, this is so much better because our cops are less at risk. They don't have to go to these random stupid calls where they used to go to and uh, people are happier. So it's like, it can be done. It's not just abolish the police. It's just transform the role because policing is not a, we haven't had police for more than a couple hundred years. Like if you go back in history, policing is a modern invention that happened around, I think the industrial revolution. And it has yeah. only gotten more and more militaristic over the years. And what we're trying to do and people supporting defund the police is just roll that back a bit to keep the community safe, but also to deescalate. Absolutely. Um, and real quick, two other things to uh, throw out there. If you go to blacklivesmatter.com, there's plenty of uh, links and different things that you can do to help the movement. And a friend of mine, Roman Black, on Facebook today posted a link to uh, blackandpink.org. They are um, an organization that helps um, take care of the trans community uh, for housing and some bail funds and some other um, key things for the community. And as of right now, I don't know how long they're going to do it for. I know they're doing it today as we're recording it. Um, they are matching all cash app donations up to, I believe, 50000 uh, So they can, they're looking to donate $100,000. Um, so it's... I mean, there's a lot of great things to do out there. So be a change. Be the change you want to see in the world. Because quite honestly, at this point, all lives can't matter until black lives do. And that includes black trans lives, um, black LGBT lives in general. Just we all need to be a part of the solution. So with that said, let's continue on the, with the hellos. <laughs> uh, BJ is here. Hi. And Eric is here. Howdy. All right, now another 20-minute diatribe about current political events. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm proud it only took us 20 minutes. I, well, I mean, that was a lot we've gotten, of really... We've gotten better over the years at uh, boiling, boiling down our, uh, our rage <laughs> against the machine. Right. As, uh, let's not even get into uh, racists getting mad about things like rage against the machine, 
being anti, you know, police and government. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. What machine did you think we were raging against? The washing machine? <laughs> One of my favorite fucking tweets ever. So we are going to uh, dish on the topics that we have found to be fantastic and have been uh, good, bad, or for some sort of emotion have been on our minds for the month of uh, June, from May into June. So, Eric, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with, uh, I believe, a heartfelt, upbeat, and possibly tear-inducing topic. Yeah, so if you want to feel good and cry at the same time, uh, you should watch some Queer Eye. It's Karama, back. That, that feel-inducing feel demon. <laughs> all of them. I think all of them got... I was going to say this season, I think, honestly, this was the most cohesive season because everybody yeah. kind of got a moment to shine in almost every episode and everybody like kind of dug deep. And it, this one felt, uh, what was it? What season was it that you were talking about that felt more processed? It was season two, right? Or was three? Um, I don't know. Some of the Japan stuff was pretty processed. Oh, I, I wasn't uh. a fan of the Japan stuff. Was the Japan season like a full season? Was that season four? Was no, that an offshoot? No, that was only was, four episodes. Okay. Yeah, it, was, it, was like a, yeah. it was like a little spinoff. Gotcha. So um, season four was when they were in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Okay. I haven't, I haven't watched, that? I think, since three. So I'm a little behind on my queer eye. But this is a really good one. They went to Philadelphia. Yep. And they started with a gay preacher man. Um, who would come out later in life. <laughs> and when they were just sitting at the table uh, with the two other queer preachers, and she was like, would you ever tell that boy in your congregation that he didn't come out soon enough? And he was like, no. And the preacher was like, well, why are you telling yourself that? I was just like, ah! Yeah, I had to pause it and walk away because I was, I was in a mood to... <laughs> I, I was... I was deep in my righteous rage and I was just like, no, no. <laughs> uh, and I don't think I went back to it till lunch at work the next day. And then I was in my work truck, like, I'm glad I'm here by myself today. I don't want anybody to see me crying. And I think that episode itself was pretty interesting because um, it wasn't just healing necessarily for Noah, who was the hero of the week, but it was also pretty healing for Bobby I think yeah because Bobby's had um because there's been a couple times where there have been very um religious people that they've been making over and he's always been kind of standoffish when it comes to either just being in a church or dealing with church-related affairs and um this one I think he got some healing on because they actually um redid the church itself yeah um, was is noah the one that was in a wheelchair he was shot or no no that was from was that season four as well that was season four that, that was, was season that, four. Yeah. Oh, okay okay yeah. i'm getting these confused sorry yeah uh, that's okay um who was your favorite hero bj uh it's a toss-up i had a lot of i had a lot of favorite ones this season um uh the one that really dicked me pretty hard was the um the Polish mom, oh, um, whose husband had ALS, or had yeah. ALS, like that one 
that one hit pretty hard because it reminded me of the one of the dad whose wife passed away from cancer. Yes. And they, I got to say, that was the one where the entire cast to me was like on it. Everybody was, was, was trying to kind of push the idea of she can't be afraid of the future because of what can happen. She has to make all the moments now and look back on all the best moments in the past to light her way because she she can't be she can't be sad and miserable already because then it'll never stop and it was right. just it was one of the things plus i have i love polish food um so uh <laughs> anthony anthony really brought it this season with the food um because i think every single recipe he did i was on it but that one that one really got me and the um uh the gym owner the uh, the gym owner i think that was the last episode um that one really got me because um all the ones where, all the ones where you can see there's an obvious like person in their corner that you're like oh well obviously his ex still loves him and you're like <laughs> come on bro like it's right there you just you just need to get your shit together um yeah. that one that one actually hit a really good spot with me um but yeah, no, that, uh, so yeah, him and the, the Polish mom were my two top favorites. Um, and I also really liked, um, Rahana, the dog groomer. Oh, I was, I was going to be mad if they didn't get her a new, RV, like a new RV. I was going to be furious if they were. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, she gets a new RV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they pushed it right up to the end and I was like, wait, so. Yeah, because they, they never, they never talked about Oh, they never showed them redoing the the cool. broken down RV. Yeah, because when they and then we were showing the broken down RV, I was like, Bobby can't save this. Like Bobby can do a lot of things. <laughs> he's he's he will be the forever MVP. But like, yeah, no, Bobby can't save this. I also liked it when they were all when they had to go to the Jer- uh, was it Jersey? They went to the Jersey Shore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the hot Jersey Shore guy. And they like all, none of them could stop looking at him, and it was that was great. So, uh, as a side note on Queer Eye season five, uh, Celebrity uh, Family Feud has made its return for this season, and they did a lovely little Queer Eye special oh. where they did the OG Queer Eye versus the new class or the the new Netflix guys. Uh, Karama was not a part of their their crew, but um, they had the uh, the guy from season four as the fifth person for their team. The one that I was just I mentioned before oh, that was shot. Oh, okay. Oh, I have to check that out. That's cute. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was adorable, and it was kind of funny because we had just talked about um, Kyan in one of our Drag Race episodes. Eric and I and Brian were chatting about him, and um, it was just kind of funny that that had popped up. And then uh, they're going to do a RuPaul one, where RuPaul's Drag Race Queens and RuPaul, Michelle, Carson, uh, I think Raven and Latrice. I think it's, yes, Latrice. I think it's Raven and Latrice, the two queens that are on there. I'm like, at this point, Carson basically just kind of hung out in the studio for a while and then just kept (laughs) bouncing from team to team. but so for season five overall, if you were going to rate it on a on a flame scale, compared to the other seasons, the first four seasons, how would you rate this season overall? 
Um, I'd probably give it a four. I think it's a really solid season. I think it's bookended really well with good episodes in the front and the back um, and has some tears throughout. Um, so, yeah. Very good, very good. BJ, what would you give it? Uh, I would say, I would, yeah, I'd say I'd give it a four. It's, uh, it's probably, I would say, uh, next to season one, um, I would say next to seasons one and two, it's number, it's like number three for me because it's very solid. Um, there, it didn't feel as processed as I felt like season four might have been. Um, so, and and every, and like I said, everybody is everybody's bringing their A game this season. So yeah. Have they gone to full seasons now? Or are they still doing like the the six or eight episodes? Or this was this was ten episodes. Ten. Yeah, this oh, was okay. a full season. Because originally it seemed like the uh, the reboots or like these newer shows were getting like maybe six episodes, uh, like a half a season run, and then they would put out part two a few months later. So I've just been curious to see if they've gone to a more uh, full season, you know, full episode run on each of these so that's good to know so that is queer eye season five now streaming on netflix brian what is your topic for this month so i decided because uh i don't know it it, it's the last thing i watched uh, to talk about space force and uh space force is uh the new netflix comedy series uh with steve carell uh by greg daniels who created the office uh uh parodying satiring uh the military industrial complex, which sounds so exciting to, uh, to uh, make satire, but it is actually really funny, um, both for, you know, the acting, uh, the several great performances in this, uh, you know, relatively short season, I think it's like 10 episodes or eight episodes, uh, half hour comedy, you know, uh, but it, it, it does not, it's not perfect. In fact, there's a lot of things about it that I was like, mm, that's, that's why, why are you doing that? Including <laughs> the ending. Uh, and there is some newsworthy uh, parts to this whole thing, because as people may know, Space Force <laughs> is, a, is a real thing. The government of uh, Pence and Trump decided oh uh, very suddenly, and uh, it's kind of hilarious if you read this story, but basically on a whim, uh, seemingly, uh, and the military scrambled to make it a reality uh, to announce Space Force uh, as a new branch that will fall under the Air Force. Um, and so almost immediately, as soon as this news item happened, I think, uh, Greg Daniels and, uh, Steve Carell were like, we need to come up with a new project for Netflix. What are we going to do? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I know workplace comedy in a military industrial complex. And that's what they did. Uh, but the newsworthy thing is interesting because, uh, there's a trademark dispute, uh, Space Force, <laughs> the Netflix series filed for the trademark, uh, uh, first, uh, and I, certainly understand this. I work for the military. Uh, I don't think we've ever talked about it, but uh, the uh, processes can be slow and arduous. And uh, I totally can understand how they didn't get all their paperwork routed in time to uh, beat this uh, nimble production company to the punch. But uh, based on his history of these kind of things, even if they were the first out of the gate, pretty much the government wins. Shocker. Um, and it, you know, there's going to be, uh, it'll be funny, I'm sure, in some cases where this conflict erupts. But uh, the article I was reading um, was talking about merch and how merch might be the place where there's actual, like, 
debates and discussions and uh, issues because of the confusion of buying a sweatshirt that says Space Force with, of course, the real Space Force logo that I'm not shitting you is, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's the Starfleet emblem uh, from Star Trek, which is amazing. Lord. Just, I don't know if that was like some geeks like revenge on the... What timeline are we in? <laughs> the darkest. We keep on yeah. saying it. We're in the darkest timeline. This could be the birth of the military, militaristic federation and we could become the mirror universe. So that's that's kind of what I'm you, thinking. Which one of you is the child of time? I need you to correct this shit now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> don't even get me started on that, okay? Uh, so, yeah. it's uh, Anyway, so that's the trademark thing. It's whatever. It's newsworthy. It's kind of funny, but uh, in these dark times, it is the light, uh, ray of light of this uh, thing. But the show is fun. Um, it's a little more family comedy, family story than I really ever thought I would care about. Um, Steve Carell is a re- not retired, but he's a up and coming, uh, actually at the top of his career, a military uh, general, and he's asked to take over Space Force. Um, and in a brilliant, so some of the best scenes in this are the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And like Jane Lynch and Patrick Warburton are our fellow joint chiefs. Oh and yeah. They have this great, like they go around the, like the round table kind of thing uh, and, and basically just give each other shit. Uh, and let me just tell you, having worked around the, the military now for a long time, it's very accurate as far as just the way they like treat each other. It's, it's a lot of, you know, ridiculous. The only, the only clip from the show that I've seen is, Steve Carell says something to Jane Lynch's character, and without skipping a beat, she just goes, "Mention my gender one more time, and yeah. I will fuck you in the ass." <laughs> it's a, it's body, and it's like it, it, it's it's weird though because so much of the show is not that tone. It's very like, <laughs> oh, I'm struggling with my daughter. You know, she's a young teenager, and I'm a single dad now, and I have to figure this out. Da, da, da. Like it's a lot of that stuff, and and they even this is what's so so Lisa Kudrow does play Steve Carell's wife, and the reason that Steve's a single dad in the show is because she's in prison, uh, which they still haven't said why, which is kind of funny to me oh, too. Great. Odd, but they actually deal with polyamory in a pretty honest way with her situation, and it like takes up that whole episode almost as the A story, or I think it's the A or B story, whatever. Um, but yeah, like it, the show takes odd turns. Uh, I am remiss to say uh, this, the highlight of the show has to be John Malkovich, uh, who I love, and I think all of us appreciate in various ways, um, especially being John Malkovich, which is like, you know, this gem of a movie that has really, if you ever told someone like the pitch for that, yeah, how that got made is it's a story unto itself, but uh, he plays the lead scientist, like a civil engineer, a civil servant like myself, and he's like the counterpart to Steve Carell's general. And they're running Space Force kind of in tandem, which is a lot of times what you'll have. You'll have a military lead and you'll have a civilian civil servant lead of an organization. And their relationship over the course of the show kind of changes and and evolves. Uh, But John Malkovich is fantastic. There's a a great moment where he's made a video for uh, someone he's he's seeing and they think it's like this like spy leak uh, to China because there's actually a whole lot of like, you know, intrigue as far as I say intrigue, but it's really... It's, it's mostly funny, but China beating the U.S. to space, or to the moon specifically, and that whole thing. And, and there's, there's the first episode has this great, um, the, they've trained a monkey and a dog to go up into space, you know, like, like we've really done. Uh, actually, did, did we do that? Or I know Russia did it for sure. I don't Russia remember. Russia did if, for sure. 
I don't think America. Anyway, I don't think we've put a dog or a monkey up. So, the cosmonaut, uh, whatever is. Mm, I used to know his name. Anyway, but the this this fictional dog and monkey thing, and they have to get the monkey to go on a spacewalk and fix a satellite that China has driven by and like you know hijacked. And it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous, but it's sort of played straight to a point. And it's just the situation of it is the ridiculous part. So like there's great moments like that that satirize, you know, the ridiculousness of the way the military works, which I'm, you know, I was, I ate that up. Um, but a lot of it is kind of family. Like the daughter's journey is interesting. Uh, they have a bunch of side characters that you get to know. There's like a, a captain who's flying Steve Krell around. He, she's got a great storyline. There's another scientist, uh, uh, I forgot his name, but he he has a great story. Like so, so there's a lot of good stuff in here. I, I think it's I think it's well worth watching. Again, I will caution you that the ending uh, takes a turn, and you go, okay, well that's uh, all right. And then now we're not going to have another season for God knows how long because of the the quarantine shutting down productions. Uh, so, and I I assume we're getting a second season because the way they ended, it's like. What will happen next? You know, it's got that whole cliffhanger thing going. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I recommend it. It's it's light. Like you can watch it and not have to feel horrible about reality, which can be nice occasionally these days. <laughs> um, yeah, I would check it out. So that is Space Force on Netflix. Um, as a quick little aside to that, since you mentioned uh, things being delayed, there has come word from uh, Marvel from their, I guess their new television department, because now it's all encompassed in the Disney plus and all that, um, yeah. that we will be getting all of the 2020 Disney plus shows by the end of the year. So everything that was uh, supposed to come out, I think the only, I think they were in the, not in the middle of, but they were in filming for Falcon and winter soldier when the shutdown uh, of uh, all the filming for COVID happened. Yeah. WandaVision apparently has all been filmed. And um, I forget what the other show they were. That's uh, Oh, Man well, Mandalorian is, is definitely coming out as well. Uh, Loki, I believe. I think that was, I think that was almost done being filmed. I, I don't remember. Was it was Loki twenty twenty or early twenty twenty one? I think it was early twenty twenty one. Okay. Um, but I know what if I think is done, and what if is animated, and most animated shows are still in production. Yeah, because as long as you get the um, as long as you can do the the um, vocal recordings from wherever, the animation can be done from from different places. So, um, and that's why we're starting to see the return of uh, comic books coming into uh, local comic shops. Uh, although we'll see where DC goes from here because, you know, yeah. They're cutting off Diamond and I think, what, two, two more weeks of Diamond shipments for DC yeah. before they're done. And then uh, it's just Marvel that's going to be doing them. Well, so it's Marvel. Marvel will be doing Diamond, but DC is using those other two distributors. Yeah, uh, well. So so they're still making books and they're still releasing oh, them. They're just not using Diamond. Yeah, but Diamond being like the biggest of the uh, distribution units. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how uh, what AT&T has in store for uh, DC at this point. So, <laughs> uh, so anywho, so yeah, I wanted to make sure that those things got, uh, got brought up real quick because I am super stoked for WandaVision and all that it could possibly entail 
for uh, the Multiverse of Madness. Because uh, if you haven't heard, Evan Peterson, right? Is that Evan that? Peters? Evan Peters. Why well, I'm like for a second I was like Evan Jackson. No. <laughs> Uh, so if you haven't heard, Evan Peters does have a super secret role in WandaVision. Yes. So there, there is wild conjecture and rumor that he's going to be playing the uh, Fox X-Men universe Quicksilver. And it'll either be a tease, or an homage, or possibly a way for them to swap out um, the guy that played Quicksilver... Uh, the guy was Scott Pilgrim. Uh, was, uh, he played kick. He played kick ass. Kick ass. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but uh, I, I I feel like that would just be a. He, he put a baby in Demi Moore. He is a baby compared to Demi Moore. He he may add like they're married. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, good for both of them. <laughs> that's a pretty solid. That's a that's a solid land on both sides. That's a winter summer relationship. Oh, girl, I ain't mad about it. Shit. Good for them. So, <laughs> anywho. Uh, so, let's uh, swing the, the conversation pendulum over to BJ. What is your topic? <laughs> All right. Speaking of swing, um, I mean, that is a segue that goes into, like, one of the other points of this conversation. Um, we have finally been revealed uh, the PlayStation 5. Um, they were supposed to have a big reveal event. I believe it was last Tuesday. Um, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before. Um, but they held off on it because of all the stuff going on with the protests and everything. And they didn't want to draw um, everybody's eyeballs to a video game system, but to what's actually going on in the world, which I, I appreciated. Um, uh, I, I thought that was a really good move on their part. Uh, and then I don't think they actually announced that they were doing the reveal this past Thursday till like two days before. So it was actually like a big surprise because I think everybody thought it was going to happen like a month or something from now. Um, but we got uh, a review, we got a previews of all, almost all of their launch titles. Um, we got uh, an actual, we actually got a view of what the system actually looks like which has sparked numerous memes. So <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Oh, been, I love them. Uh, they've been absolutely fucking fantastic. Um, but uh, it's, I was just going to go into, they have revealed uh, we are getting a new uh, Horizon game um, uh, where she move, goes out to the West. Final um, goes West. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember her name, but that's, somebody said that. Um, <laughs> But uh, it takes that that game will take place in San Francisco, um, California area because you'll see all the broken down landmarks. Uh, we our first preview was of a new Spider-Man game um, linked to uh, 20, uh, 2019's Spider-Man, which was fantastic. If you haven't played it, uh, it's Spider-Man Miles Morales, um, which is not a full game. They have uh, they revealed the next day that it is a DLC, uh, so it may come out for the PS4 because it is releasing 2020. So it may come out for the PS4 and for the PS5, uh, but it is a it is a large scale add-on to the other Spider-Man game where you mostly play as Miles Morales. 
Uh, and if you haven't played the uh, Spider-Man 2019 Spider-Man, you actually do do a couple of mis stealth missions with Miles. So you get to know the character and everything and his family. Uh, it's really, really a good way of introducing the character uh, into the continuity of the game. I would like to continue playing that Spider-Man game, but sadly the movers still haven't figured out whether or not they owe me I, money for a PlayStation 4 oh. or brought mine back. I thought Insomniac confirmed that it was a standalone game. Uh, no, it was confirmed uh, Insomniac, or it was either the producer or uh, Insomniac put out a tweet that it was a, like a large-scale add-on. So I think you might be able to buy it separately, but it will not be as long as the previous Spider-Man game. Hmm. So, um, or the, uh, who, so who knows how it's going to shake out because they did say the release date's 2020. So um, it will most likely be dropped with the um, PS4 at uh, PS5 at launch. So um, actually, I just I did a little did a little typey typey while you did were they, talking. They it? Um, Sony has confirmed that Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales will be a standalone game. Okay, cool, perfect. So that's fantastic. I mean, I would love to see them do some DLC to to connect the two games, and then like just as like almost like a um, Spider-Man one and a half type of, of thing. I, I think that's how it's story-wise. I think that's how it's going to shake out because they set up so much stuff for Peter's story at the end of Spider-Man 2019 um, that it would actually be really interesting because I think you'll be mostly in Brooklyn. I don't know if you were in Brooklyn in uh, 2019 Spider-Man. I have to actually check the game map. But you were only in like three boroughs of New York versus like a whole nother section. Like, I don't, I you know you're in Manhattan for sure and Hell's Kitchen. Well, I'm like, there's, a, there's only two more boroughs at that point. So, so <laughs> Spider Man has ventured out onto Long Island and I love it. <laughs> just um, see Spider Man swinging over my parents' house. I'm like, yay. Where's uh, all the no. tall buildings to use? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll be so I'm I'm super excited about that. Uh, we are getting another Ratchet and Clank game, which most PlayStations launch with a Ratchet and Clank game. Um, I Ratchet and Clank hasn't been something that I have been playing since its inception in like the PS One. Um, but this one looks really cute. Uh, it's got like a weird mechanic where you can actually shift dimensions towards you. Um, so instead of grappling hook, instead of using a grappling hook to like hit a ledge you actually grapple like a chunk of like cracked space and the ledge kind of just appears under you. Um, so it's got a little, it's, it's going to be using a lot of the ray tracing um, effects and the uh, solid state hard drive. So it's going to show off a lot of the technology of the system. Um, what else? They had uh, Resident Evil 8. Ooh. Uh, Resident Why Evil did nobody 8. tell me about that? It was. I thought you watched the whole reveal thing. No, I only watched the commercial. They. Oh. I, I watched a like three minute video, um, where they revealed the design. Uh -huh. um, which we would be remiss not to point out that there are two versions. Oh yeah. Of the of the PlayStation Five, and not like you know in the past where it's been like a few months later they've come come out with the Pro version or whatnot. Um, you have the PS Five, and then you have the PS Five Digital where there is no CD drive. So it's basically uh, marketed towards uh, people who are decluttering their lives and prefer to just have uh, digital copies of the games, whether they're buying them from the PlayStation Store or wherever. Um, and, and it's interesting. I, I, I like the design 
without the CD drive. Oh yeah, without the little, little little nub. Yeah, <laughs> but um, at the same point, I have you know PS4 games, and I'm I'm hoping again. I correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm gonna hope and assume that there is at least some backwards compatibility. They they haven't they haven't outright said it, but from what it looks, just from all the patent information and everything that's come out it looks like it will be launching with the same store. And that's the biggest deal because if it launches under the same store and it can play the same software, technically that means the PlayStation 5 is launching with over 150 games available at launch, which is kind of nice, which means if you do have the disc version, you, should, you, you most likely will be able to play your PlayStation 4 games at least. Um, they said they're still going to uh, reveal a uh, handful more of information about it uh, before the launch. Uh, they also revealed that the DualSense can, you'll get a DualSense controller. Um, they showed that the official DualSense chargers. Um, they also showed they've already got uh, headphones, a media remote, and uh, there was there the was camera. Another, the camera. Uh, the HD, HD camera. camera. Yep. So, so all of that will most, all the pre apparels and everything will be available possibly at launch. Um, which is nice. It looks, honestly, like they put, it looks like they put a lot of thought into it. It's gorgeous. In like, I love the new um, DualShock controller, the oh, DualSense controller. I I can't wait for them to release other colors. But no, I absolutely think the the DualSense controller is going to. It looks fun. I'm not mad about it in white with the black center and then the blue like accents, like. I'm not mad about that at all. Like for once, I'm actually like, okay, this is a pretty console. And it's and and it's all and the the thing is the design scheme um, is similar to the PlayStation VR. Uh, it's actually similar to to the Vita, uh, which was discontinued. But a lot of the um, design uh, and everything it it's very cohesive. Um, but uh, what were they, so they had uh, but they had uh, Resident Evil Eight, where you play as the character, the previous character from Resident Evil Seven. Um, you've got. Uh, there is a couple of uh, there's a couple of um, interesting time loop themed games. Uh, first person shooter, death loop. Uh, first person shooter uh, where when you die, you go back to the beginning of the time loop and you're on an island full of assassins trying to murder you. Um, but but then there's also another character who's assigned to kill you, and she is also in this in the same time loop. Um, so you, it's it's it'll be interesting to see how that that plays out um there but there are a lot of uh cute indie titles um one that apparently um was pitched to nintendo and i will have to find the trailer for that one it was pitched into to nintendo and i guess it involved a couple of people who worked on legend of zelda um but no I, some the the top picks so far though for me are the uh new horizon game spider-man miles morales Resident Evil 8, Ratchet and Clank, like they and it, and if it launches with the same store, um, and if it launches with uh, backwards compatibility for the PS4, I I'm already getting it. Like I have decided <laughs> it it is happening. Uh, they also showed the startup screen. Uh, they should. They, uh, so if you haven't watched the full live event. Uh, definitely check it out because I mean I lost track of how many games they show. Oh, a new Odd World game. Uh, I think it's Abe's Redemption, uh, but they have a new Odd World. They're launching with a new Odd World game. Um, so it's yeah, 
I'm I'm very interested to see how it uh, how it shakes out and uh, solid state hard drive. Um, what's interesting to me is that we are reaching a limit because I don't I think after they release these consoles because uh, it's the Xbox Series X and the PS5. I don't unless it's Nintendo. I don't think we're going to see a major console release after these two systems for a really long time um, because I think consoles are getting to that point now to where they've pretty much caught up to like where PCs are, where you're just updating the hard, you're just updating little bits and pieces of hardware at that point. Um, yeah. And I think we've reached kind of a, a, a peak in needing these things to turn around quickly where you can now get so much uh, quality between the gameplay, between the graphics and all of that. Um, Xbox and or Microsoft and Sony have just been pushing and evolving their systems where the Switch was really kind of the first system in a while, in a long while, that's been a big change, a revolutionary change. And I'd be, it'd be hard-pressed to see Nintendo really kind of push anything more in the, you know, for a little while. So, yeah. The, well, I mean, the, the, the PS4 originally came out the end of 2013. So it's been almost seven years since we've. Has it really? An, yeah. Holy shit. I didn't even know. I, I, for it, whatever reason, in the back of my head, I think maybe because I didn't get a, I didn't get a PlayStation 4 till. I want to say probably close to the 2015 or 2016. So maybe I only had mine for like a year. (laughs) I had mine for a few months and then it went missing. So (laughs) I'm just going to keep going back to that. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Although it's funny because if they don't, uh, if they don't find my stuff and have to uh, send me, you know, money to replace or whatnot, I've actually thought about just holding off at this point and using that money yeah. towards a PS5, yeah. especially if there's backwards compatibility because then I can play a Spider-Man, I can play the Resident Evil games um, that I have, and, you know. It'll, it'll be nice if you can, like you're, because even though I'm mostly a physical copy, I'm a physical copy kind of gal, um, I really like the fact that like my free PlayStation games that I've been getting for PS Plus for so long, I can just move, those will just cross right over, or the ones that are at least are backwards compatible will just cross right over into my PS5, which would be awesome because this handful I haven't even played yet. Um, It's it's starting to look a little bit like my Steam game library. Um, But uh, yeah, it'll be be really, really, really interesting. Um, Quick note, uh, at the beginning of the episode, I had mentioned the Humble Bundle of the, um, uh, for the NAACP. Uh, it's actually a itch.io bundle. Uh, it's bundle for racial justice and equality. I posted it the link up on our um, our Facebook, and it uh, you get right now it's sixteen. It's one thousand six hundred and fifty eight games items uh, for five dollars, and. Um, they were, they had a goal of $5 million. They have raised 6173000 Wow. And it is still, as of right now, it is still going. Um, but yeah. Uh, so hit that up. I have put it up on the, uh, it should still be up on the, uh, Facebook page. At, at, even when this episode drops, 
but I will uh, strive to remember to post another link for it uh, before the end of this upcoming week. Awesome. Awesome. Please do. And um, just to go back to Eric's talking about the amount of years, they were going six years between consoles from the original PlayStation through PS3. And then it went seven years um, between the three and the four. So we're, uh, yeah, so we're right on track for what Sony has, uh, has done. So they, it's, it's amazing to see how seven years, six or seven years, you can still maintain such, you know, like great achievements. And that's, you see the, the release of like the pro edition and, and things like that, which give you those, those tweaks in between the, um, yeah. the six or seven years. But it'll, it'll be great to see what it does. And I'm, I'm excited to see these new games and I'm excited to see something like Spider-Man Miles Morales be a launch title. And it, it's definitely, uh, definitely going to be exciting for holiday 2020. I'm already saving up. so dear listeners if you are enjoying this or any of the other podcasts that we put out here at flame on why not follow us on social media head over to flameonshow.com you can scroll all the way to the bottom and uh, click on the social media icon that is your favorite or all of them and follow us on all of your platforms i don't care if you uh only hang out on on twitter for the the porn you can follow us on twitter sometimes our stuff shows up there too in between all the dick pics whatever uh but we are uh, on all the social media platforms so feel free to go and give us a follow flame on is listener funded entertainment so if you would like to help support us and our our nationwide reporting of these topics to you then head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show you can join at any of the four levels that we have, just like our friend Dave Patterson did. Hello, Dave. I know that we've I've given random shout-outs during episodes that weren't technically our roundup episode, which is where this is supposed to have gone. But um, I did want to give Dave a, a shout-out. Thank you for being a patron. And uh, we are excited to have you on board. We hope that you're enjoying all of the content that is there um i'm going to start putting up some of the episodes that we have recorded to do these uh cross-country recordings as uh a, a exclusive patreon content for everybody um not under any one particular uh tier so it's just a little bit of extra material for you guys to see and enjoy and watch um so if you are if you have a couple of extra dollars burning a hole in your pocket you enjoy flame on and you want to see us continue to bring you the world of pop culture from a geeky and gay perspective, then uh, just head over and become a patron at patreon.com forward slash flame on show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right. Let us do our last topic, which is mine, which is kind of a, a weird amalgam of two shows that have made their return to broadcast television, uh, one of which I had known and one I did not know. Because the funny part is when you create a new Hulu account and you're so used to having all of your shows on one account and then you make a new one, you forget that you know, to add things or because you haven't watched in consecutive order um, and seen the seasons prior, when a new season pops up of certain shows, they don't always tell you. Like I just found out that making it had a whole second season back in December mm-hmm. that I did not know about <laughs> at all. I was like, oh, making it is back. And then there kept being a new episode after the one would finish. And then I looked up online and it was like December 2019. And I'm like, I'm in May of 2020. How did I not know? But uh, two shows that I thoroughly enjoy have made the return. And uh, the first one that I want to give a mention to is The Wall, hosted by Chris Hardwick uh, of The Nerdist, of uh, At Midnight formerly, of Talking Dead, of lots of other fantastic things. And if you've not seen The Wall, basically it is a chance for people who have done great things for their community to potentially win millions of dollars by knowing trivia and being very lucky. Uh, if you are a fan of Plinko from The Price is Right, oh my God, I am. This show is uh, right up your alley. So they have uh, a pair of contestants um, that have done great things, have gone through traumas, have done like, they, they have great stories behind them. Um, I want to say that it's that there's a basketball player that is behind all of this. Um, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But they bring the contestants out. They go through their their story. They talk about what they've done for the community, the foundations, the things that they've that they've done. And they do a section where it's rapid fire trivia. They get a question, two choices. They've got to pick their answer. The balls drop from the top, and they have to um, basically get the answer right. They have to lock their answer in before the balls reach the plane of the uh, the scoring pockets. And if they get it right, the money goes onto the board. If they get it wrong, they, it either is subtracted from their total if they have money or it's just a no-go if they don't have anything. And as long as they make it out of the first four questions with a positive total, they go on to the rest of the questions. And so, um, so LeBron James, thank you, Eric, for, um, for doing that research for me. Um, I didn't want to be tippy-typey while I was talking. <laughs> uh, so they have to answer, they send one person back behind the wall, isolated, they're given um, the answers to the question first. The person outside has to decide where they wanna play the ball from to try to maximize the winnings. And if the person behind the wall answers it right, they drop it and wherever it lands, they add that money on. If the person answers it wrong, that money is uh, deducted. They also do now in this new season, I think we're on season three currently, they do this thing where it's the super drop. So they put seven balls and they release them like basically once one right after the other. 
and have it just rain down money, but then they do the same thing at the end and take away money. It is uh, heartwarming if you get emotional and weepy-eyed from um, sad stories on a lot of these shows. Gross is probably the word I would use for it because usually I'm just a big teary mess. Um, But these are some people that are doing amazing things for their community. And a lot of times when they talk about what they do with the money, it's giving back, it's helping out families, it's doing all this stuff. So it's, you know, it's, it's weird to be like, oh, well, I'm watching people have a chance to win $13 million and they're just going to go home and, you know, be multimillionaires. But these are people that like actually really deserve the opportunity that they're given. Um, and I think the last episode I watched, which might've been two or three episodes ago, I'm not sure what the schedule has been. Um, I'll get into that in my one up uh, uh, at the end of the show, why I'm a little behind on my show watching. But they won, I think, $1.7 million, almost uh, $1.75 million. And it was amazing just watching. And it's so nerve-wracking. Just it, The whole thing is intense, but it's fun. And uh, Chris Hardwick as a host is uh, goofy and nerdy and lovable. And if you haven't watched it, check it out. It's a, an hour of feel-good television. Uh, and that's The Wall on NBC. It is on Hulu as well. If I, a day after, a week after, depending on what level Hulu service you have. The other show that came back that I uh, wanted to give a shout out to, uh, because we can't have American Ninja Warrior this year, because before they could go and film any of the, uh, the, the qualifiers and all of that, uh, COVID-19 hit. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> so instead of seeing um, attractive people um, on obstacles in the American Ninja Warrior car, uh, course. We can watch the Titan Games, hosted by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, or... I thought you were going to talk about Holy Moly there for a second. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> that is back for another season. And with some really odd um, twists in the, the whole... Do you watch uh, Holy Moly, Eric? I just wish they would bring back Wipeout. That's well, all I want. It's filmed on the Wipeout I would rather course. have that than, than have the whole putt-putt course. <laughs> yeah, just, just run an obstacle course. The funny part is that that is actually filmed on the lot that they filmed Wipeout on. Because uh, um, Fruitcake, who is on it, uh, Matt, uh, DJ Hazmat, uh, who is a, a lovely homosexual chaser, um, when I ran into him at Tidal Wave a couple of years ago, he had mentioned that they were doing this crazy thing at the wipeout course with mini golf. And then not long after that was when they announced Holy Moly. It gets a little boring when they're not dealing with, you know, like ridiculous things that they have to do, but it's, it's definitely good for a laugh every so often. But if they brought wipeout back, I would totally love it. If you have Hulu watch total wipeout, which is the UK version. There's six Uh seasons of that six seasons to watch that. If they had John Henson, is it oh, Brian Henson? No, John. John Henson. Yeah. If they had him host the the Holy Moly, I'd watch it to maybe. Oh my but god! Speaking of these kind of dumb shows, but that I, I know you appreciate, have you watched <laughs> the Ultimate Tag? I have. Oh jeez! I, I thought of you. I thought of you, Pat, when I watched that, and um, it's like American Gladiator meets Tag. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. I find myself um, not as enthralled with it. I've been watching, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely mindless fun. Um, and it's, it's crazy to see these athletes because there's so much more focus on like parkour um, yeah. and that kind, of, that kind of aspect of it. 
that they're doing these flips and these these taggers are just like hopping from like bar to bar and op- like little areas it's it's and crazy have, and they have the personality uh ridiculousness of of uh, of uh, american warrior american gladiators yeah. american gladiator oh my god there's yeah. too many shows and like <laughs> wrestling like it's just over the top ridiculous but but yeah the show it's like okay you're running from these people and you you're hitting the button or you're doing a thing it's, like, oh. it's not my type of show but uh, i i wondered if you would yeah but speaking of television reality television shows then did you watch lego masters I started it and I like the idea of it and I like uh Bojack what's his name? Bojack. What's his name? Bojack Horseman? No, the ho- who's the host who plays Bojack? Uh, uh it's John Mr. Benjamin? No. 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 Mr. Uh, he's Lego Batman. Yeah, he's Lego Batman. Will Arnett. Oh, Will Arnett. Arnett. Yeah. Sorry. Well, cuz now <laughs> I, I finished Bojack and now all I can think of when I hear or see Will Arnett is is Bojack cuz like if you haven't watched Bojack, by the way, that's that show costs so much. But yeah, no, I like it. Um, it's just something about the it's it's like it's almost too tongue in cheek. Like they're doing all the crazy reality show tropes, game show tropes, but with like a self awareness that's almost repeating yeah. for me. So it, it's it, it definitely was trying to be way meta, and it was yeah. it was weird. But the builds that they did, um, oh. if you haven't gotten to the bridge episode where they had to build a bridge and put. Um, they had to build a bridge and then try to put weight on it. And the team with like the highest amount of weight it could hold won that challenge. It's cool. fantastic. Yeah. Um, but so the other show that I wanted to give a, a shout out to is the Titan games. Um, they basically pit them. It's very American gladiator esque, except instead of competing against uh, a, a gladiator type opponent, you're facing off against another competitor in a in in a challenge so the way season one worked was that you basically just had to beat one opponent in one game if you won you advanced on if you didn't then you you were done uh and then they would do that for they had two four six eight eight competitors for each show four male four female and the top two uh on each side would compete against each other on mount olympus and whoever won became the titan for that that episode and then they did a uh of like final rundown of you know competing against each other tournament style season two though they've changed it and now they've divided it into i believe it's four um territories and there is a world-class athlete that is now the titan for each of those uh areas they have two male competitors two female competitors and you have to win a best of three in these competitions to advance on to Mount Olympus, where you compete against the chosen Titan. I love it because uh, as, a, as a connection to American Ninja Warrior and missing it, and here's a little bit of the geeky part, Jesse Graff, who is a stunt woman, is an, also an American Ninja Warrior, also the first woman to complete, um, I think, stage one, of Mount Olympus on American Ninja Warrior is the uh, one of the chosen Titans. And even geekier, she's also a stunt woman for Wonder Woman 84. So hmm. all ties Which unfortunately got pushed back. <laughs> you knew it would. You knew it was going to. <laughs> I mean, if Florida's any indication, you could just go now and just, I mean, just get the Rona, watch, you know, some movies and then, you know, possibly be dead. 
Gotta love Florida. Anywho, uh, so they've done this, and it's interesting because we have seen competitors beat the Chosen Titans, um, and it's it's just it brings a different dynamic to it, and they've upped the ante as far as what the obstacles are and what they have to do, and it's just really kind of intense to watch people who are kind of skilled in different ways. There was one guy who was built like a brick shit house, and it was amazing to look at but he wasn't quick and agile so when it came down to a portion where he had to be faster somebody who was smaller but you know quicker and and whatnot was able to take him out it, it just it's good mindless fun um and it's all very done very much in a spirit of friendly competitiveness it doesn't have kind of that roided up testosterone of american gladiators i'm a weird <laughs> But it's uh, it's definitely entertaining. So if you haven't watched it, uh, it's a Titan game. It's also an NBC. It's running now. I think we're, like I said, I think three or four weeks into this season. It's entertaining. I enjoy it. And I recommend it highly. 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 So we are going to now get into our one-ups of the month. I'm going to throw it to BJ. I was going to throw a, a topic out there, but it does tie into his one-up. So we'll start with you, BJ. And then after you talk about your one-up, we'll talk about some other big news that has come out of that whole universe. So go ahead. Give us your one-up, BJ. So like everybody else, I've been quarantined mostly. I still had to work, but I've been more or less stuck at home, nowhere to go, slash trying not to die. Um and I have been catching up on all of this season's CW shows. Uh, I think because uh, Netflix has that contract where they put a week after the finale airs, they uh, pop up on um, Netflix. So I finished The Flash season. Uh, season. I finished um, uh, Supergirl, Black Lightning. I'm almost done with uh batgirl batwoman i'm sorry <laughs> and, and um i'm almost done with um uh legends of tomorrow um which is always which has kind of been my favorite one so like since their season one i have just in, i've just enjoyed it this whole time um so that's been kind of like a nice palate cleanser uh, because this season we had the uh crisis event uh crisis on infinite earths and that's been interesting because halfway through some of the shows, not all of them, but halfway through some of the shows, there's some stuff doesn't really change. Like Black Lightning didn't change much. Mm -hmm. um, but, and Supergirl honestly didn't really change much. They just, Lex Luthor just kind of showed up doing his Lex Luthor shit. Um, so it, it was it was interesting. Flash didn't really change much, um, but I well, thought I would hate the fact that they didn't finish any of the seasons. But I've actually kind of enjoyed it. I think the only one that suffered from it was Batwoman. Yes, from the way that it ended. Um, I mean, it did end on a cliffhanger, regardless. Uh, but I, I do want to say that it, for as much as they didn't change. Flash and Supergirl, I think, were the two that dealt with Crisis the most, the, the aftermath. 
yes in their storytelling um because you had ramon who went away and spent time like chronicling the new uh metas and the new versions and made his uh trading card collection of uh Mm -hmm. how they were pre-crisis and what their stories were post-crisis baddies um, the new rogues <laughs> and then i mean supergirl with lex uh rewriting his history it didn't do a lot to change it but at the same time gave uh a bit more complexity to how kara had to uh kara had to fight through what was going on yeah i i will say though that i was i did like the one thing i did appreciate from batwoman this season was um their Beth uh, Alice storyline after Crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that storyline shook out a bit better post Crisis. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, actually having a second one, uh, having the Beth from the alternate time or or from a, a different Earth show up on Earth One now. Yeah. Like that part of it where they, I I liked her playing Beth so much. And you knew it wasn't going to last because Alice is your your main uh, antagonist. But mm-hmm. it, it, I, I really did appreciate those couple of episodes. Those were probably the highlight for me for uh, Batwoman this season. It so they've they've been so yeah. So it's it's interesting because I I reluctantly finished Arrow before Crisis. I wasn't like. Arrow kind of dropped off for me after, uh, pretty much after they killed off like a character that the creator was like, I shouldn't have killed her off. Um, uh, and it was it was actually nice, kind of one rewatching, watching everything, and piecing together how things have changed post crisis. Because I don't know, it adds some sort of cohesiveness and connection to everything else. Um, that I feel like everyone's been wanting and missing since they introduced all these shows in different worlds and everything. And you're like, but I want them to hang out. I want, I want, I want a villain from one area to pop up in the next because that does happen in the DC universe a lot. Yeah. Um, so it'd be it'd be very interesting. They actually talked about in Black Lightning post crisis of how. Um, uh, not the big bad, but he was the uh, the government official. I can't Odell, Agent Odell with the ASA. How he lives in Gotham, he's from Gotham, and him being from Gotham has shaped kind of his view, his militaristic view on how the world the world government should work and how meta should be used in the military. That that gave that character a bit more. Uh, exposition without actually giving him exposition because everybody knows that Gotham's a shit show. So yeah. you you have this dude from Gotham running a, a shadow organization. You're like, oh, okay, that explains why he's such a fucking monster. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where now that I get to sit down and kind of binge them and watch them and don't really have to like schedule my TV watching. Um, it it's been enjoyable and I really thought I would be agitated by the be continue stingers at the end of each season but i actually like that because i forgot i mean i'm aging myself here but i forgot that back in the day like in the 90s you most season finales would end on a cliffhanger so you had to tune into the first episode of the new season so i actually find myself excited 
for how they're going to go into these shows next season once they can start filming again and get things up off the ground, especially since uh, Ruby Rose left Batwoman. She did not renew her contract. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if it was a matter of that. I think she actually, I think they had to break the contract because I can't see, I, I don't think I could see them having a one-year contract with the lead actress, the, the, the principal actor for a series. I, I think they have, I think they set it up for a one-year contract if the show doesn't get renewed or if it, I think, I think. Well, I, and if that's the case, then the, the show was renewed before, before she yes. decided to leave. So, so yeah, so that'll actually lead into one of the things that I want to talk about. There are two um, actor issues that have, are now affecting the CW shows that'll be coming out in 2021. The first is that with Ruby Rose uh, departing, and we talked about that in the last um, full cast, the big news about that is that they will not recast Kate Kane. They are yeah. going to have an entirely new, I think, Ryder. Some, uh, I want to say Ryder Strong, and then I remember that that's um, uh, Sean from uh, Boy Meets World. But <laughs> uh, it's whatever the, whatever the character's name is, they're going to have a completely new character take up the cowl in season two, yeah. which pretty much negates the entire cliffhanger ending of season one because Alice has no point anymore. Um, uh, her father, Kate's father, has no point anymore. Kate's exes have no point anymore. Um, you probably could continue with um, Fox. Um, it's not Lucius. Lucius' son. I can't oh, remember. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah. I can't, I remember, can't his, remember his name either. Yeah, I know the it's one another. The one that eventually becomes a signal in the comics. I didn't realize that. So, yeah. Um, so you have that whole thing changing. So we'll, we'll get some opinions on that in a second. But the other big news that just happened a couple of days ago is that the actor who played Ralph Dibney on The Flash has been let go because of um, racist and misogynistic tweets from 2014 that have surfaced. And um, there's also been some other backlash that's come out around other Arrowverse stars, namely Stephen Amell. Um, who got yeah. called out uh, nicely by friend of the pod, T. Franklin, um, in a couple of tweets. So um, what, are, what do you guys think about the fact that Kate Kane will not be the, the focus of Batwoman? And what do you think about uh, Ralph Dibney, who was going into pretty much the big storyline uh, from yeah, his with, run with, uh, with Sue? Debron, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what do you... I Were they going to do Identity Crisis with Sue? I, we don't know. I think they were, t like, I know they were going, they were planning on having Sue as, like, a love interest. Yeah. Or, uh, but they really, they just started, she was kind of an antagonist this season, and they literally just kind of only touched on the fact that now she has to kind of stay with Ralph because of the whole framing uh, due to Mary Mistress, mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, like, because those episodes were cute, but I wasn't a hundred percent on board with them. I like her. I like. He's, I like he's her. always been a little weird. Like he's always been like really goofy, and I, I he's not my first like focal point. But I really liked her and her um, sassiness and her snarkiness. Oh yeah, it was perfect. I, 
I think played off of him really well. So I would like to see that continue. Um, and there has been talk about the fact that there is, they could possibly, um, there's a, a comic book way around recasting him and him coming in as, uh, I, there's another character that he, he took on the looks of uh, when they were doing one storyline. No, he was, um, there was, there was a thing where he was being basically um, blackmailed into infiltrating, like they had collected these uh, secret six or something like that. And oh, yeah, they yeah. put him in and he was under this like assumed identity where he basically was like the Hulk and he would just get bigger and stronger when he would get angry. And then it was revealed that um, he was working with the person that was keeping them captive. So that was kind of a way that they, they were talking about it. But I mean, in my, I, I watch, I'm a soap person. I recasts are a thing. And I get that it's tough to deal with that being a thing. But I mean, this character can literally change exactly everything about the way he looks. Yeah, so exactly. recasting him is like, is like Doctor Who recasting. It's really not that hard. It's a built-in mechanism. Um, if you guys didn't, though, go check out uh, Hartley Smith. Is that his name? I think so. It's, yeah. uh, he, I will give him credit for this. Like, his tweets were horrible. You can go read them and you see the receipts. They're bad. Uh, but the way he has handled this as someone who uh, he has admitted fault. He, he has apologized profusely and he is active, actively trying to advocate for uh, things counter to his dumb tweets. So he, if you have to look at a textbook way for somebody to hear complaints, be canceled, and then turn it around, I'm not saying like, you know, he's going to maybe have a good career after this. Who knows, right? But I do see genuine, I think it's genuine uh, re regret and uh, being uh, sorry for this. So, you know, at least there's that. In this day and age where people double down on their bullshit, like our president, I am always for people who get canceled and then find a way to, not even to try to get re redemption, but just to admit that they screwed up. Yeah, that was, that was something, um, uh, it was actually a... Um, I can't remember, uh, I think it may have been IGN, um, but they did, uh, somebody did like this comprehensive look at the fact that you've, you've had the CWDC stuff and for a while they really haven't had any major, major, like not, I, I don't, why did I want to say spoilers? They haven't had any major, major um, conflict. They had, it's it's been a pretty smooth ship for um, DC superhero shows as far as act actors and people who portray the characters and everything um, until recently. And it's one of those things where, like with Disney, like they, the actors couldn't even like really go out in public and like be drunk. Like there's there's stipulations that studios place on actors that depending on what character they're portraying is a high standard it's it's it can be i think it can be rough on the actors so i think he'll have a career after this i don't think he'll i don't think he'll have a career like as a like superhero character um i don't think the cw will like ever take him back but at the same time i do believe that it's just it, 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 had he been had he been a villain in the shows or had he been like even a side character 
I think his presence may have been reduced, but he wouldn't have been fired. But the fact that he was portrayed as a, as a character that Barry had said he wanted to take over when he thought he was going to die. Um, I think that the studio and the writers were like, I don't think they can actually save his image as far as being a hero is concerned. Um, which is kind of funny because Elongated, and I think it's Plastic Man that has had the more checkered past than the Elongation Man in the comics, which makes me sad because had he been Plastic Man, I feel like he might have, his, his career might have survived it on the CW side because um, Plastic Man was kind of a bad guy for a good chunk of time. Um, but I don't know. It's I get it. It was like the worst possible time for it to happen. Um, but as Brian said, it, they can literally just recast him. Um, because I do like the Sue Debron character a lot. And I would like to see if they are going to do the identity crisis um, uh, story that Eric said. So I'm I'm on board with it. I, but you, but you know, if they do that storyline, that's not good for Sue. No, it's not good. For Sue. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I like the. But it's one of those things where it's it's. I, the thing I liked about this season of The Flash was the fact that it's. Um, I don't know. It felt a little bit like anybody's at risk, which is something you don't really get a lot in the CW shows because it is a comic book show. So you're like somebody can just come back any day now. Um, so it'll it'll be very interesting how the next season of the flash plays out especially because of this but the the good news is they've got time to figure it out because they're not even filming yet so yeah they're not going to return to filming until 2021 i think yeah. even if uh no matter what happens um they're they're taking the time off and uh hartley sawyer is the um the the actor so i mean honestly if that's the case and he is really um apologetic and it goes that route that's fantastic that's how people should step up and take accountability um but again you know we it gets talked about a lot where oh well it's you know freedom of speech freedom of speech freedom of speech which is true but freedom of speech doesn't come with freedom of consequences so you know if this is what it took and you know he's a changed person then you know that's that's phenomenal um but and they uh, i was gonna say um they did an interview i think last year with eddie murphy uh i can't remember uh, which what show it was but there was an interview where they were like hey because uh, it was right after the kevin hart debacle where he made some really uh awkward like gay jokes and stuff um and he kind of really his apology wasn't very good um but it's Kevin Hart and that's just kind of his brand. Uh, but somebody had asked Eddie Murphy, they were like, so you remember your stand-up special on HBO in like 1993 or 94? Like, how did that go? And he was like, oh no. He's like, I can't watch it. He's like, I said some things that are super hurtful to people now. And he was just like, but it's there. It's on the internet. I don't, it's not going to air on TV anymore. That's for sure. He's like, but he's but things have changed and that brand of humor is hurtful now and the fact that he did sit there and go you know yeah no i made those terrible jokes they're terrible jokes now that comedy doesn't hold up it didn't age well he's like so now i know it's a better it's i can make better choices now um which is good which is along the lines of the apology that the actor um uh 
I'm just going to keep calling him Ralph. Um, Ralph made. Um, so I think that is important that people see more celebrities do that. Absolutely. And it, it's, I, I'm not a huge fan of cancel culture um, because I, I, I feel like you need to give a person a chance to change. Yeah. You know, if you call them out, if you, if you tell them why something is wrong, you educate them on why something is wrong. I don't feel like you should then just cancel them. I feel like you should give them a chance to learn from it and then they make their choice. If they intentionally continue to do the things that you have tried to educate them on, then I'm sorry, you're done. But if you take that opportunity to grow and become a better person, and yeah, these tweets were from six years ago. Six years ago is a long time, but it's not a long time. You know, when you're talking about comedy shows from the 90s, things were very different back then. So, you know, it, it's a matter of, of the length of time. It's the growth and it's what you do with it. So like, uh, don't be JK Rowling oh, and double, double down, down or Donald Trump and double down on your nonsense. Ooh. Who? Sit back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> who? who? I think she created some, the, uh, she, who mu- he, she who must not be named. That's what we're calling it. But, she- <laughs> but like, no, like you got to learn from it. You got to move on and, and you got to admit culpability and not just go, I'm sorry if you were offended. Like, and, uh, and, and it, the, the thing I was referencing before was uh, Secret Six, and he, uh, they introduced him as Big Shot. Um, that was the character he was during that, and then it was revealed that he was Ralph Dibney, who was sent in as a, uh, a spy at that point. So uh, it, it'd be interesting, and one of the articles that I read that talked about that, was, it was funny because they could do it in Ralph Dibney fashion and have him joke about like, well, it finally happened. My mom said my face would stay this way if I didn't change it. And now I am, you know, something stupid along those lines to oh, account for it. That's so CW, I can taste it. <laughs> right? The bubble gum is stuck in my throat right now. Yeah. That's- <laughs> as, soon, as soon as I read that, I was like, I could absolutely see this being like what they go with. Uh, so, okay. Awesome. So, yeah. So, the CW, do- so the CW shows uh, and their bingeability now on Netflix is uh, giving you life and giving us lots to talk about. Uh, Eric, what is your one-up? I mean, I don't know how much longer we can take living on Earth, and we may have to go live on another planet (laughs) called Chromatica. Rain on me, rain, rain, rain on me, rain, rain. The the lady, the lady G, A G A. Oh. I feel Lady like, G, Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've got butterflies in my stomach. Or maybe ladybugs. As long I'm as not sure. They're not ladybugs. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank God that no. guy came out and said that he, he wrote that as satire very quickly. I mean, the visuals are still there, but damn. <laughs> Lady Gaga, Chromatica. <laughs> I want y'all stupid love, love. We are back to our old pop dance uh, fame uh, type music from the Gaga. I preferred Fame uh, Monster, but that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a fantastic album. I got it at Target, so it got a couple extra tracks on it. Ooh, oh. fancy Target. I Deluxe know. edition. Special edition. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
has a piano demo of a thousand doves oh. has a remix of stupid love and then just an extra song called love me right which is good I think my favorite song on that album is Sign From Above for several reasons. First of all, it's a duet with Elton John, which is pretty cool and sounds great. Second of all, it's Sign, S-I-N-E, like a sine wave, which is sound. So I love that whole play on it, right? And third of all, yes. uh, And third of all, uh, the jungle breakdown in the middle of the song, which I have not heard jungle electronic music in like, uh, well, since the 90s, I think, or the early 2000s. Basement Jack? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was, in, it's, it's, it's a little jarring if you're not expecting it, but I think it's grown on me over the, over time. And, and Elton John and, and Lady, they, like, they sound, uh, Lady G, they sound great together. Uh, it's, it's good. And there's a lot of like 90s dance influences in this album, which is good. Um, I think all of her um, collaboration songs were very successful. The Sign From Above, um, Sour Candy with Blackpink, and uh, Rain On Me with Ariana Grande uh, were all really good songs on this. Um, I like how it's kind of broken up into thirds and has the instrumental interlude in between the chromatica one two three those are gorgeous uh, too i love those yeah yeah um one of my favorite things is um if you've watched mulan um someone took the soundtrack away from mulan for the part where she decides she's gonna go fight the war and cuts her hair and takes the armor and leaves and put chromatica two and the 911 behind that and it's it worked really well um that's been the big one that I've heard a lot of people talk about. Chromatica two into nine one one, yeah, has been like everybody's major like gaga gasm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I don't know. I'm kind of basic, but I just really like Rain on Me and Rain on Me and Thousand Doves. I love Thousand Doves too. Um, but overall, I'm happy to have dancey pop music. From Gaga again. Not that I didn't like Joanne or Stars Born, but this is just fun and boppy and summertime. I was gonna say you didn't like some hair, body, face. <laughs> dance, dance into oblivion. <laughs> have you? Uh, speaking of rain on me, uh, have you heard the solo versions? No. They. If you look them up on YouTube, there is a. Um, there is one that is just Lady Gaga doing the whole song, and there's one uh-huh. that is um, Ariana for the whole oh. the whole track. Do they sing each other's verses? Yep. Or it, do they like come up with new verses to make it their own? Oh. Nope. I, I feel like the song was written, and then they were each given their parts, and then oh, they, okay. or they recorded them both. Like I I don't know how it was done because like they were edited together. Yeah, like they basically it was like, okay, you're gonna record this whole song, and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna <laughs> mix and match them together, and uh, you know, overlay the the harmonies and stuff like that. Which, I mean, possibly could have been how it was done. Um, but I shortly after Rain on Me came out, I had gotten a little like YouTube notification, and uh, somebody, it, I don't know what channel it was on, but it is just it's Gaga doing the whole song, and then there's one that's just Ariana doing it. Which, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Music Video Sins videos. 
from the people. Uh, that, yes. Yeah, they do oh, that. Yeah. the same. The same people that do cinema sins and t- TV sins, the music video sins, and they did rain on me. And it, they pointed out they were like, since when did um, duets go from being like this person featuring this to uh, a comma? Because the way if you go to Gaga's uh, YouTube channel and you look up Rain on Me or you go watch the video, it's Lady Gaga, comma, Ariana Grande. It's the same thing with um, Blackpink for Sour Candy. It's Lady Gaga, comma, Blackpink, not Lady Gaga featuring Blackpink on the channel. I'm not sure how it's listed on the album itself. Um, But there's a little part of me that wonders if that's kind of how they did it with the possibility and the intent, uh, depending on who wrote the songs, to be able to both record them or both release them. So it's not so much a matter of like, well, it's this person is the main artist and this person is the featured artist. It's these two artists are doing this song and both can utilize it in their catalog that way. I mean, I don't know who is the songwriter for Blackpink, but as far as Ariana and Elton John, they're listed as songwriters. So on the tracks. So. so I I signed from above doesn't have I, I'd have to check the um the the YouTube like the the official audio link for it um if it's up and see if it's Lady Gaga comma Elton John on that listing because then that would really give credence to them both basically neither one being a featured artist because mm-hmm. I mean honestly Elton's a big enough queen that she would not take a featured spot. I mean, if you go back to Aida, when they did the, uh, the concept album, that bitch took uh, Aida's part in, uh, with, in his duet with Leanne Rhymes. She was like, I am your Nubian queen. Thank you. The white <laughs> British man. But I love him. So that's Chromatica. Love it. Love it. All right, Brian, what is your one up? So I've become a fan of these uh, YouTube videos uh, called uh, Mark Baum's Queer Culture Cruise. Oh, I thought you were going to say Barbara <laughs> <laughs> It has recently come to my attention. I'm a fan uh, of Sommer. Uh, she's still making videos. I just saw a couple new ones. Hello, Wayne. I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> well, if, uh, the funny part is uh, Matthew posted the summer one because uh, he's like, uh, does anybody have plans for summer? And he posted the video, and it's because uh, one of the things that she talks about doing in the summer is fighting to take back the country. <laughs> there you go. Come on, timely Chloe videos Big um, from so, 2011. <laughs> if you like me, grew up in a sort of a formative era of television in the 80s and 90s, and you vaguely remember sort of these queer representation moments, and we've talked about this actually on the show a few times. Uh, our our most memorable queer representation when we were growing up. Uh, what Matt Baum does is sort of feature those moments in television and connects them to modern incarnations. And so like one of the videos I watched recently um, was Madeline Kahn had a sitcom called It's Madeline and it didn't do very well, but as the show was winding down, they knew it was going to not come back. They brought in a drag queen and probably one of the first major storylines for a drag queen uh, queer performer uh, and they connected that in the grand tradition of like Charles Bush uh, with Die Mommy Die and uh, most recently like Jinx Monsoon on uh, Snatch Game doing Little Edie like these, cor- these sort of theatrical over the top uh, drag moments uh, in, in culture so 
uh, he does a really smart job of going back. He sh- he talks about like you know when Frazier had uh, you know Patrick Stewart on and was exploring you know whether Frazier was you know not gay but like you know that whole back and forth where Patrick Stewart's character thought Frazier was gay and like it it's it's very well documented and very well researched. It also sometimes will tie back into queer history and so he'll go back into you know obviously Stonewall and even like Oscar Wilde and so. I, I just, it's very well presented. It's a great little YouTube series. Uh, they're like, I don't know, anywhere from five to 20 minute episodes, depending on the topic. And Matt Baum is a Seattleite. So I uh, really am excited uh, and interested to see what else he does. He has a podcast uh, as well, which I'll, I'll throw a link up on the Facebook page. Um, but uh, yeah, Matt Baum's Queer Culture Cruise on YouTube. Very nice. Um- Something similar to that, just for your own or our listeners' own <laughs> pleasure. Um, there's a podcast called Gayest Episode Ever, which sounds very similar to that, um, but it's more long form. And they go into a lot of history behind each of these uh, gay-themed, very special episodes. Not to be confused with uh, Funnier Dies video series, um, a very special episode where they go into uh, basically the like after-school special episodes of 80s oh, sitcoms. yeah. Which, if you haven't watched uh, the one where uh, it's Mr. Belvedere, where uh, Wesley's classmate has AIDS, it's horribly funny. Oh, no, my, my, my favorite one is Zach Morris is Trash. Oh, those are fun. That, those are fantastic. Zach Morris is trash. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all done by those are all funny and die uh, funny and die funny or die <laughs> videos as well. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, my favorite is uh, is still from that episode of uh, a very special episode where they the euphemisms for all of this and when uh, one of them is whoopsie daisy no no blood. <laughs> it gets me every single time. I fucking love it. So, <laughs> uh, so my one-up um, is slightly two-part. Uh, one, I just in this um, gay wrath month, um, in the middle of a massive turn in the Black Lives Matter movement, um, in hopefully getting to um, a critical mass of caring about the Black Lives Matter movement, I have to have to reaffirm and reiterate my love for Janelle Monet for the artistry that she puts out. If you have not watched uh, the emotion picture for Dirty Computer, give yourself 45 minutes, sit down, watch it. It's amazing. It, um, right from the get-go, I posted the opening um, little like kind of monologue that leads into the movie. And it talks about if you're, if you were different, if you didn't act the way that they wanted you to, if they didn't, you, know, you were considered dirty, and then they would, the cleanings would begin, and all of this, like, it's such a a prescient and just amazing metaphor and message. But on top of that, it isn't just there. Like, you know, we've we've talked about her needing to be Sydney Mayweather, and her kind of pulling back her own personal uh, views and her her own. Uh, personal information and being this android but that doesn't mean that these topics were not addressed in her music beforehand even just going back the other night I I felt 
I was watching something and I, I don't remember what it was, but I then felt the need to, oh, I was watching Americans. I watched the live uh, from the, uh, the Stephen Colbert uh, performance, which puts me in tears every single time. Um, but I went from there to her video with Erica Badu for Queen from Electric Lady that was originally supposed to be queer. So it's Q-U-E-E-N. But if you listen, I think the first time what is, uh, there's a little like backing vocal, it actually still says queer. And just listening to the words and going through and reading the words, it being queer, being a person of color, fighting this fight and being basically um, treated as less than is such an eloquently stated like message through her art that if you are not a fan of hers, you need to go listen to it. You need to pull the lyrics up, watch these videos, watch these emotion pictures. They're amazing. So in this month, if any month, this month especially, go do yourself a favor, grab some Janelle Monet, stream it on whatever service you need to, listen to it and love it and enjoy it. And um, to this day, I still, I mean, I've dirty computer still tattooed on my wrist. That's, it, 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 hit such, it hit such a spot and it just continues to develop and, and grow within me. And I hope that other people can take and continue to spread that art as well. And as a, as a free ass motherfucker, like she said that she was, she is a voice that needs to be raised. Um, she also did a, a substitute teacher video. I would need to, I'll post a link to it. Um, but YouTube is doing these things where they're talking about topics and they bring in a celebrity to be a substitute teacher. She was the guest substitute teacher, celebrity substitute teacher on the one about the electoral college. And the teacher brought one of her senior students on who's getting ready to graduate and uh, she's going to go to Howard, which uh, apparently was where Janelle was going to go. She had gotten accepted to Howard and was going to go and then decided to go to a performing arts um, school instead. And before they go into the, the whole lesson, she's talking to this girl and she's like, oh, you know, are you getting ready to go and everything? She's like, yeah, you know, it's lockdown, kind of have to wait a little bit longer and, you know, go there and everything. And she was like, you know what? She's like, I want to buy whatever you need. She's like, whether it's books or furniture or school supplies, I've got it. And it was just one of the most heartwarming things I've ever seen in my life. So these YouTube things with um, the class of 2020 and all that, the Shit's Creek video with Mariah, fucking bawling. And you know my love for Mariah. Me and Mariah go back like babies and pacifiers. But um, the lighter topic of my one-up is I've just recently been introduced to Pluto TV. If you do not know what Pluto TV is, it's free <laughs> television. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that there are actually, there are channels on there that are uh, live current television. I haven't really gotten that far. Um, and I know that there are because they, there's some commercials every so often that talk about like um, uh, one day at a time or some other shows and it's like new episodes, Mondays at 9.30 on MTV on Pluto or whatever. But this is through line through a lot of what we've talked about today. So there's RuPaul's Drag Race channel, which is awesome. You can just go and watch old episodes. I don't know what season it goes through. I know it starts at season one. It might go through all of the episodes. Um, so like season seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, um, which are not easily available if you don't pay for them to buy them on Amazon or uh, iTunes or whatever. Uh, Hulu and Amazon Prime only have 
either seasons one through five or one through six available for free. But you can go check that out. What really got me though, is that there's an American Gladiators channel where it just shows 24 seven American Gladiators. Mm. For the last seven days, roughly. Okay, maybe <laughs> six days. My TV has been on nothing but American Gladiators and I have not gotten back to the beginning yet. <laughs> There are like seven seasons of the original Gladiator show and two of the um, modern reboot uh, with Hulk Hogan and Layla Ali. I think I'm currently in season two of that one. So then we should go back to the original, original American Gladiators. But it's, um, it, it really has taken me back to the early 90s when I was a wee little homosexual who didn't know what homosexual was, but knew that he loved the American Gladiators and big burly menses in tight spandex. And now watching it as a late 30s, inching closer to 40s, homosexual who knows what homosexual is. <laughs> it's even better. It's so good. It, it's ridiculous, but honestly, it's a lot of fun. And um, going back and kind of reliving that part of my childhood um, as, as a much hornier adult, is, uh, is very entertaining. So if you have not done so, there's no signing up, there's no whatever, you can search it, you can pull it up on your television, a tablet, you can, uh, the smart TVs have an app for it, so you can just uh, add it to your, your smart television and just start binge watching different stuff. They've got um, reality television channel, they've got like murder mystery channel, and it, it does all of these television shows, so. Honestly, free TV, can't beat it. So that's why for the last week, I really haven't been able to catch up on anything. I did watch Drag Race last night. But aside from that, that was like my two-hour break from American Gladiators for the last week. So <laughs> that has been giving me life, uh, at least in this past week. So with that being said, thank you, dear listeners. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can head over to flameonshow.com uh, to check out our social media icons at the bottom of the page. And if you would like to become a patron, you can do so at any of the four uh, levels that we have. And you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash flame on show until we meet again, which will probably be a week after this with another uh, all-star season five recap. I think the way that we plan it out, we're going to do every other week. We'll end up with a flame on episode every Friday. I was going to put them out on like Monday or Tuesday, but then I got lazy. And then <laughs> next thing I knew... <laughs> Next thing I knew, it was Thursday night, and I was like, well, I missed the midnight deadline for Friday a.m. on the East Coast, so I went with 3 a.m. On, uh, 3 a, 3 on the East Coast, midnight on the West Coast. So now we're just going by um, Race Chaser guidelines. Their new episodes come out at midnight West Coast time, so that's how, that's how it might be on, on these episodes, too. But either which way, pretty much for the next few weeks, you'll have uh, Flame On in your ears every Friday. So thank you, boys, for joining me, and um, until we meet again... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.